happy 2022, let's hope. This week, we want to talk about some of the trends and topics we'll be tackling in 2022 and beyond on the Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And Happy New Year, everybody. 2021 was a year. 2020 was another year. But let's hope that 2022 is going to be even better or maybe just better. I'll take that for now. This week, we want to talk about some of the trends and topics we think the veterinary profession will be tackling in 2022, and we want to give you a little bit of heads up on what we'll be talking about on the podcast, but more importantly, what we think the whole profession needs to be talking about. Before we get into all that talking about stuff, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, we are right in between the holidays. Happy almost New Year and happy post-Christmas. Yeah, happy in between a weird week where you don't really know what day it is, you don't know what we're doing, and we're just sort of waiting for those extra two days off to (laughs) to get through. This is such a weird week. I don't know about you, but I'm just full of cheese and cookies, and um, it's confusing, but I can't believe it's already the new year. I know, I know. And I'll tell you, you're right about that sort of weird doldrums of that in between the two holidays. You know, it's tough in clinics because like we have these surges. I mean, like, you know, like like Tuesday can be dead after Christmas, right? You know, or, or the day, you know, a couple of days after Christmas. And then suddenly on Wednesday, boom, you know, it's like 5,000 emergencies. So, I mean, this is a this is a tough one always in clinical practice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we're already dealing with such a weird year as it is and coming off of weird things. And um, I think as we're kind of transitioning back to um, being out and about, um, I think this is going to be the, you know, uh, first Christmas for a lot of folks with their new pets. And uh, I don't know, it's kind of crazy. But it's it's this fun week of sort of looking back on the year and looking into the next year. Um, and it's funny because it, it is a very reflective week um, where it's kind of like what has been and what will be. Right, right. And I think some of the uncertainty of the past couple of years, I think we're getting a little bit of hope at the at the end of this tunnel, so to speak. I mean, you know, obviously right now when we're recording this, it's the Omicron you know, surge is all around the country. And so our thoughts and prayers with everybody affected with that. But at the same time, you know, Becky, we are beginning to hopefully get a little bit of of hope that this is going to get better. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's funny because I think it feels like just as soon as we hit some kind of like routine where we're at, we kind of get this new punch. And so it's almost like, you know, when 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 you work with service dogs, you train service dogs um, or you're training working dogs in general, it's like you teach them that new is normal. Right. So you have right. new experiences every day so that nothing is really like, oh, my gosh, this is new and scary. It's kind of like, oh, new things happen all the time and they're not that scary. And I feel like that's what we're all getting. <laughs> Right. Like we're all getting to this like, okay, it's a little less scary. We're learning new things. Um, The CDC just came out and and reduced the quarantine times after exposure, the quarantine times after infection. Um, So I feel like things are getting a little less scary. I feel like I, I am not so offended if somebody is like more than six feet closer than I to me. Um, You know, so I think we're getting to a place where we're getting more comfortable being uncomfortable and a little bit of the fear is is reducing. But we also have this sort of like elephant 
the room where we know it's not really gone. It, it's such right. a weird thing. It really is. And and anyway, viewfinders, you know, we're just stay safe out there, get your boosters, you know, and, and let's just try to get through this as quickly as possible. But we do want to get through our list today. And we've got in really in no particular order, some of the topics that Becky and I are seeing really begin to gain traction. And we think that these are going to become even bigger issues for the profession in 2022 and perhaps beyond. And of course, at the top of our list, for 2022 topics that we'll be tackling is workforce shortages. I mean, Becky, this continues to be the topic on everybody's mind. I, I we are in a <laughs> weird, crazy place with that. I think people are getting we are seeing a real shift. We're seeing a shift in like what it takes to keep people, what it takes to get people. And I think there's some real honest dialogue going on around why people are leaving. And um, we've we've kind of I feel like we've hit a tipping point. Right. And, and along with that, of course, are, like you said, Becky, staff wages and benefits. That's another important topic. I mean, we've covered all of this in bits and pieces over the past few years. But, you know, Becky, I mean, right now, if you are looking for a job, I mean, it's never been a better time to demand better wage and benefits. Oh, you we are in a workers market right now. Right. Um, and it is a time to be self-reflective, to I think people are really like it's almost like a survival thing. They they have just gotten really honest with what they need to survive and what they they will not settle less than, um, and they're demanding it, and, and it's kind of cool. Right, and and again, viewfinders, you know, we know that economics and practice finances are very complicated and unique to each individual. Having said that, you know, we think this is a positive trend that we will continue to to make sure to alert you to any changes out there because, you know, far too long, Becky, you know, the veterinary profession has really resided and been grown on the backs of our support staff that have been woefully underpaid. I mean, this is no new news to, to the listeners. You know, certainly this is something you and I have been talking about for decades, but I think this is the year when it really hits hard. Oh, I mean, again, and, and I think it will be interesting to see what happens and more is coming in 2022 because this is the thing is when we see people standing up, right, and, and speaking out, it gives strength and courage and energy to everybody else who wants to do the same. So I think what we're sort of seeing is this, like, we're hearing this mass roar of people who are like, I've been really wanting to say this. Um, I feel that way, too. And now there, I think there's more platforms. There's more people who are just getting up and doing what's right for them, um, even when it's scary, even when it's hard. And I think it'll be interesting into 2022 to see where that goes and the shift that continues to change. We've talked a lot about some of the industries who are changing things, who are are are, are refocusing. And I'm excited to see, you know, who catches on and, and jumps on that bandwagon this year. Right, because I think to solve the quote-unquote workforce shortage, you're going to have to be commiserately increasing wages and benefits. It's just that simple. And one of the other things that, that we've really been happy to help illuminate over the past several years, uh, five years that we've been doing this podcast, are, is the discussion around mental health issues, burnout, depression, you know, compassion fatigue, and so forth. And Becky, I mean, at this time in, in the veterinary profession, it's okay to talk about mental health issues, right? Oh, absolutely. It's... 100%. You know, we, we're we getting to a place, and I'm so grateful for this, right, where, again, more people are speaking out and saying the scary, hard things. And it resonates with so many individuals. Um, and I think we, again, are just getting 
we're getting big and we're getting social in our industry. And so it gives us the opportunity to join together uh, on a nationwide, worldwide basis as opposed to like just within our clinic, right? That was so limited before. So the more that we see, I think, social media campaigns and um, groups and connections through those types of means, we will begin to be empowered and strengthened within our numbers. And I'm so glad to see it um, because, I mean... It's smart to go to the doctor if you're sick to your stomach. It's smart to go to the doctor if you have a broken arm. I don't think there's any reason to think that our brain is a separate entity that wouldn't need any kind of assistance. Right. And I think, too, one of the things, viewfinders, that we've we've talked about so many times, we've had guests over the past couple of years, is the fact that you can remove the stigma of actually physically going there. I know that was a big barrier for many people, right? I don't want to have to go and show up. I might be seen or whatever. You can now do many, many incredible counseling and therapy sessions, you know, from the comfort of your home the privacy of your home, you know? I mean, telemedicine in the in the realm or the regard of, of counseling and therapy, oh my gosh, Becky, I think it just made it so accessible to all of us. Oh, I mean, 100%. And thank goodness, right? Um, I think, the, again, the, the dialogue, the breaking down of the stigma, but 100% accessibility. As we see more corporate entities taking over more, uh, you know, single-owned practices, and the benefits are expanding, and the access is there through the benefits, we are really increasing accessibility to mental health while we're having the conversation that breaks down the stigma. And I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I have. I, I have three therapists. There, right. you know, I mean, I've got individual therapy, I've got medication therapy, I've got couples therapy. I mean, like, I am the biggest fan of therapy in general. You know, I'm always saying everyone should should have it and should have it in multiple facets of their life if they need it. Um, but like the accessibility to it and the convenience, I guess, is what I want to say. Like, I left one of my providers this year, started with a new one, um, and the ease of doing that on an app was incredible. I didn't have to like just like go around and make right. an hour of appointment and drive to it and not like the person. And so I think the accessibility with the breakdown of the stigma is probably one of my favorite things that has happened over this past year. It's just unfortunate what's driven it, right? Like we know that the the immense suicide and depression problem in our field is, is what's driving it, but at least we're seeing help and resources out there. It, It makes me so happy and hopeful. Right. And, and this leads us to another topic that we'll continue to talk about in 2022, and that's the difference between corporate practice and independent practice. And Becky already alluded to the fact that corporate practices are offering resources like, you know, on-demand therapy or whatever. And, you know, Becky, I got uh, a couple of, I don't, I wouldn't call them, they, they weren't like awful messages, but, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago or a month or so ago, I made a comment on one of the podcasts saying, you know, hey, if you're out there looking for a job, you know, you should look for things like, do they offer, you know, you therapy, like online therapists or stuff like that. And I got a couple of owners that sent me some messages basically saying that it was unrealistic to expect, you know, a small practice to be able to offer that. I completely disagree. The cost barrier is gone and I think people are, need it, right? But yeah. but getting back to that, you know, again, independent practices are going to have to step up because you can, right? I mean, you know, there's, there's no reason to only, you know, allow corporate practices to offer this stuff. I mean, I think I get so many questions from independent practitioners who say, look, I can't compete with whatever big corporate, you know, practice that they're competing against. And you really can on most, most areas, I think. I don't know. I don't own in a practice and I, I don't want to speak out of place. Like I, I don't know. 
it feels like, yes, I see it happening for a lot of people. Um, and regardless, like I've said a bunch of times this year, is like, well, if you can't, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You need to question while you're why you're in business, how you're doing business, and you need to find the help to make sure you can because you just don't have a right to deprive your employees of basic necessities and a living wage because you can't make it work. So right. um, I have opinions, but I don't have experience. Right. And, and again, Becky, you know, one of my companies, uh, Vertical Vet, which is a group resource community, that's what that's what we do. And again, sorry to be a little plug here, but the reality is we get together with providers of insurance and therapy and whatever, right? And, and we allow you to sort of combine with, you know, a thousand. 2,000 other clinics to get those you know economies of scale. So the, I do think the opportunities are out there. I think that if you're an independent clinic today, whether you work in a clinic or own a clinic or manage one of those clinics, you need to say, how can I offer things to be competitive with these corporate practices? Because I think 2022 is going to be a tough year if you don't. Oh, 100% it is. And and again, I think you kind of just have to reach down and, and sort of say, like, what are my motivations what would I like to do? How can I get myself there? But, you know, be really realistic about it. And, and is it worth it? And are how are your employees doing? Please take that into consideration. Yeah, for sure. Another thing that kind of goes along with that, one of our topics is student loans and how much does it cost to become a, a veterinarian or a RVT, a licensed veterinary technician? And, you know, Becky, again, student loans are, are just outrageous. And I think that one of the things we're seeing in the corporate practices is they're helping you pay down that loan. You know, they're giving you big bonuses and things like that. I mean, there's a lot of creative financial arrangements that some of these larger practices are offering that I think can help with that. You know, so again, just stay stay tuned to that. Becky, what are you seeing as far as tuition inflation on the RVT side? Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's we have a, a different side of things being mainly based out of Community colleges and state colleges, a little bit more regulatory action there. Um, I think there are slight increases to tuition on a regular basis, but I don't see the debt in the same place. Where we are running into it is where we're having folks entering into private colleges. Right, um, right. And again, I mean, there's a lot of benefit to, to that as well, right? As somebody who uh, directs a program at a private college, I'm not going to knock it. <laughs> but I right. know that it is about three times more expensive than a community college here in the state. So um, there are benefits to it, but I think that's where we, we run into problems on our side. And then again, very much the same for the veterinarians is it shouldn't be the debt issue, um, for technicians, because it is a reasonable cost for an education, it should it's more in the wages that make it where it's impossible to pay that debt back. Yeah, it's that relativistic, you know, relationship that worries me. And and again, you know, as I've said multiple times over the past twenty five years, you know, when every time when when people you know say, oh, we can't, you know, reduce the cost of a veterinary degree, you can, you can make it a six year degree. Many schools have been more aggressive in moving in this direction, but that that pathway has been around since I was a student. You know, I got in after three years of undergrad. I mean, I had to hustle and do really well, but you know. Becky, I mean, there are ways that the the profession can reduce some of the the burden on, on you know student loans. I, I just I'm convinced, you know. So. Oh, 100 percent, 100. I'm not going to back down on that one. All right, finally, you know, well, not finally, but as we kind of move into this, you know, what about inflation, Becky? I mean, you know, obviously it's on the news every night. Uh, that means that you know we're going to have to raise prices to pay for staff and to give them these additional benefits. What do you think? How do you think that's going to impact patient care and and how clients perceive our services in 2022? 
<laughs> I told you my head hurt when we started this episode. And that when everything just split and cracked and broke. You know, honestly, for me, I want to shift this a little bit parallel. More for me is I have this thought of like, at what point are we going to start requiring certain things of our clients, right? And so to offset that, at what point will we say, I'm not helping you if you don't have pet insurance? I'm yeah, not right. able to provide care for you if you don't have care credit or a way of backing this up or you stay current on vaccine. Like, at what point are we going to raise the bar? Like, I know there are pediatricians who won't work with parents who don't want vaccines for their kids. They're just like, listen, I'm a vaccinating vet. This is what I do. And so it kind of makes me wonder because of that very reason. We know we're going to have to raise prices to accommodate. We are already under so much pressure from our clients who think that they're buying wings for our hospitals right. every time they come in. Um, that is going. That dynamic is going to have to change. Will it change in 2022? Probably not. But will it continue to sort of shift? I think absolutely. Because we don't want to continue subjecting ourselves to client outrage, to social media, you know, blasting. Um, and to just clients who are constantly wearing us down and and the ethical fatigue that comes with not being able to pay your bill. So I think we will start to see and continue to see a trend toward more particular care and more, I would like to see, um, ways of sort of ensuring our clients are set up for success when they come on as a patient so that we don't end up in these positions. Oh, I like that. And and you're right. I mean, for a profession that's so uncomfortable with money, I think these conversations are going to be painful. We're going to have to get more comfortable with it. I do think this is one of the reasons that corporate practice is appealing to many of our colleagues because it just takes that part out of the equation. You know, it's like, hey, I didn't make the prices. But reality is we have to raise prices due to a wide variety of factors, and we're going to have to get more comfortable with that. And, you know, Becky, you mentioned a couple of things there that we did have on our list as well, and that is, you know, client complaining on social media. And one of the things that I've seen now from, from two different state uh, veterinary medical boards are kind of cautions. They've sent out you know memos the past couple of months on social media complaints, and they're talking about vets being charged with ethics and professional behavior violations based on their responses to clients saying ugly things. And so, you know, just be aware that even though you may have done everything correct medically, you know, so your treatment was sound. If you go online and post, you know, mean things back at your clients because they called you some bad name or whatever, then they could complain to the veterinary medical board and you could be charged with a, an ethics or professional behavior violation. I mean, Becky, I, I'm assuming this could also apply to vet techs in some way. I guess I'm really personally <laughs> highly against that. You stay out of my damn business, you veterinary medical boards. You know, I mean, I'm sorry, but like I pay for my license. I follow the legal rules. You don't get to uh, mediate my verbal and emotional responses. OK, so like if I am out there putting private client information and, and violating privacy and things like that is one thing. But like if and, and agreeably, right, like if we have clients who are upset because their pet ended up on social media, they didn't sign an uh, right, a, right. agreement to that. Fine. But if if you're going to come on my hospital site and slam me and I come back at you, I don't think that's the business for the veterinary medical board. And I think that they need to be very careful in what they're doing. I think that medical boards get a little bit entitled and don't always have the best legal representation or advice. And then they start to get 
uh, meddling and controlling in areas that they shouldn't be, and they they open themselves up to legal violations and to legal concerns. I think in just doing that. Um, but aside from that, no, I'm 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 team. Say you're gonna come at me. I'm gonna come back at you, <laughs> um, because that's a world that we live in now. The customer is not always right, and you don't get to leverage social media to one kill my colleagues because we've seen yeah, it right. happen, right? And two, f- come at me with something you have no knowledge about, and um, and and we've seen clinics destroyed because of it. And so I have strong feelings about that in the sense that, um, you know, maybe they're doing it, maybe it's a concern, but it would be an area where you would see me have a lot of opinion and fight back if it was happening to me or someone close to me. Yeah, that's, and you can expect viewfinders a lot more discussion around that because I think you're going to see this continue to, you know, escalate because we're seeing more and more outrage on the internet, you know, these hate raids, and then suddenly vets are are responding and like, and, you know, hey, I, I think this is going to be a topic that we talk about in 2022 yeah. uh, for sure. And speaking of just sort of clients, you know, we did an entire episode on it, but I think it's, I think we're not done with it yet, Becky, and that is sort of this whole rejection of science and immunizations and all that stuff. I mean, Becky, do you think we're going to see even more blowback against like core vaccines, you know, post-pandemic? 100%. Oh, no. (laughs) And, you know, interestingly enough, like I can't kid myself and think that every single veterinary professional is pro-vaccine right now, right? Like as much as I'd like to think that we all make sense. And so I, I wonder what they're saying to their clients or how they're, you know, will some of that pushback even come from our own side who feels that we are over vaccinating and that it is unnecessary, um, I think that there is, you know, it's easy for us to forget that the align we are not always aligned as a profession. Right, right. That's a really good point. So again, guys, you know, core vaccines, we continue to expect that to be a problem moving forward because I think at this point in time, we've made it okay to like question science and and boy, immunizations save a lot of lives. And speaking of polarizing the nation, Becky, 2022 we'll see another big political year. The midterms are coming up. Do you think that's going to inflame passions and perhaps spill over into the exam rooms? You know, I hope not because I hope that we, well, I don't know. You know, I think it'll depend on what happens in the primaries. I think that if we continue to see this sort of ridiculousness that we've seen in the past, then of course it will. Um, I think it's funny, you know, we think when I was a kid, I remember it was like, you don't talk about politics. You don't talk about religion. Right, right. You know, like you, you were taught those rules. Like you just don't cross over into those. Um, I can't even remember being a, a little kid and asking my dad if he was Republican or Democrat. And he was like, you don't talk about that. I, I'm like, I'm your kid. I'm like eight. Um, <laughs> so I, I think that those lines are very much blurred nowadays. Um, so I think we go one way or the other. We are either looking for the conversation. Therefore, we bring it up because we want we have something to say. So we ask a question in order to open the door for our own opinion or we will avoid it like the plague because we don't want those inflammatory conversations. I think it's like we're all a little burnt and it it never used to be such a big deal to talk about politics. I think like even though it was like a no-no, it was an interesting conversation and, and interesting differences of opinion. Um, what we've seen in the recent past is it's actually, you know, 
it's um breaks up families it right. breaks up friendships it becomes like you know we won't do business with these people right, because right. they support this or that and so i would i hope to see that slowly kind of that pendulum swing back because it it won't be such an intense um despair situation like we've been in but if we go back that way which there is a threat that we will um i think you will continue to see high emotional reactions and again i think that comes from people just drawing the line and saying like this is unacceptable and thinking there's a difference between difference of an opinion and this is unacceptable yeah and again viewfinders we covered this topic in 2020 during the last main presidential election uh because we were seeing this i do I'm like, Becky, I fear it's going to be another issue this time. I, mean, I, I think you should start to have maybe at the beginning of the year conversations with your team and say, look, you know, let's be aware that somebody might come in with a, a hat or a T-shirt or a button or something that we don't agree with politically or socially, and we need to figure out how we're going to handle that, right? Do we confront them, as Becky is saying, or do we ignore them, as Becky is saying? I mean, I don't have an answer because that's going to be locally determined. But, you know, Becky, I think we need to start having those conversations now. Aren't you the one who always says we need to get in front of it now? I think so. Uh, I think once or twice. I'd have to go back and listen. I think I've said it once or twice before. You know, but I think you're right about one is sort of just having a rule, like this is what we do or don't do or think or don't think or how we act or don't act um but the other thing we have to ask ourselves is like is the pet wearing that pin and right like maybe they are because they have a terrible owner okay but (laughs) just saying the pet doesn't have an opinion we're here for the pets we're here to take care of animals you know if i was in a really horrific car accident i would not want the emergency room staff to ask me what my political affiliations are or to not care for me because of a t-shirt i was wearing i would want them to save my life and so i think we kind of have to get out of the weeds and remember while why we are at work like this is what we're here for and the rest just doesn't and shouldn't matter in 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 these four walls boy that's great advice but again i think we got to get in front of it as becky always says uh becky another thing too i mean 2021 was a little quiet uh around the veterinary nurse initiative the vni with title protection and you know sort of uh, standardization of credentialing and so forth and educational requirements and yada yada um becky is 2022 are we going to see that come back or what are you hearing? No, I don't think so. I think the I think the VNI itself has been pretty clear that they are working more toward you know um, more than name changing. It is it is about title protection. Right. Um, but you know I don't think that necessarily the funds are there on on the technician side. I think again it will it will honestly take the veterinary buy in. It will just take medical boards doing their actual jobs and enforcing the title protection. It will take active participation, active enforcement, um, and that includes the professionals on staff who have to make the really, really difficult move of saying, you cannot call everyone on staff here a technician if they are not credentialed, if that's the law in your state. So I think the issue will continue to be there. I just don't know that it will actually be led by the VNI specifically. Um, I think that there's a back burner there for right now. Yeah. And it's, it's disappointing. I mean, Becky, I'm so, you know, Becky and I have always been strong advocates for the title protection and the credentialing standardization, you know, all, I mean, that's really important. It is a barrier to progress in the profession, in my opinion. And, you know, I just, I, Becky, you know, I'm fully supporting. I just, 
it seems to have stalled a little bit and, and it breaks my heart. And now I fear that other tangents that, you know, it just seems like bright, shiny thing. Oh, let's try that now. Oh, wait, what about over there? You know, and yeah. at some point you got to do the grind. Uh, speaking of the grind and bright, shiny things, I mean, telemedicine, I mean, we... Look, we saw a little brief glimpse of what it could look like during some of the darkest hours of the pandemic, but obviously most states this summer rolled back the provisions that allow you to do certain things like establish a VCPR, prescribe and so forth uh, virtually. And Becky, you know, right now there's still considerable confusion around telemedicine, what it is, what it isn't, what you can, what you can't do. You know, what do you see in 2022? Mud, you know, I just see more mud. And yeah, and again, as I hard agree. as I get on the medical boards, you know, I've just become really convinced that in, in so many states, they are there to protect the veterinarians and their pockets. And so, unfortunately, they see telemedicine as a threat to their pocket. Um, I don't necessarily think that animal health is being first and foremost considered in these cases. Yep. Uh, I just saw this thing the other day. Um, you can get your prescriptions uh, now virtually for your eyes. You can literally have a virtual eye exam. Yep. Um, yep. You know, th- what are we doing? Like, what right. are we doing? Come on. You know, if it's if it's something that's quite simple and it can be handled, you know, we're just, again, I think protecting our pockets. We're fearful of losing control of, of what we have and, and we're resistant to move into the future. So I think there are some states that get it. I think there are some leaders that get it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, unfortunately, our prof- our profession is very driven by fear of loss of revenue and control. And so because of that, we're going to have to continue to fight the good fight to get, um, you know, any kind of leverage in this area. But I think it will continue to be a fight that is fought because of the necessity for it. So and there and the consumer demand, we, we are going to continue to have more and more consumers demanding telemedicine. Right. Well, probably the last committee I'll ever serve on for the AVMA, because I think they're tired of my dissenting opinions, was the telemedicine uh, committee. And, you know, uh, immediately after that, which was really a non-event, in my opinion, I started saying to vets, the only way to change this is if you already have a VCPR, start using telemedicine. It'll boost your revenues. It'll increase patient care and compliance. And I think if you're listening today with your existing clients, there are so many appointments that you can do virtually that can generate additional revenue. All those recheck exams, behavior consults, osteoarthritis, I mean, skin. I mean, there's so many ways that you can do it with an existing client and you can prescribe and do everything just like you would in normal. I mean, so Becky, just, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm frustrated with this thing, this whole thing. Uh, sure. Another another top talk, tough topic that I think we're going to be confronting is CBD. Becky, you said that telemedicine was murky. I, I think that <laughs> CBD is even murkier. I mean, and the sad thing is some of these companies are getting very aggressive and, and telling vets, oh no, it's perfectly okay. And in many states, it's not okay to talk about CBD or, or dispense it. Yeah, yeah. CBD is, is definitely one of those things that is, you know, becoming really difficult to get in front of and, and to understand. Um, there is great resources out there. Um, you know, Stephen Satal, uh, for sure, Liz yeah, Houston, like yeah. leading the – There's a, they wrote a textbook – um, there is some great information and studies out there now. The bigger problem is is that we're even though now we are be able to understand the products more, 
we're not understanding the legalities and the laws as much, and they're constantly changing. And and animal health isn't written into the state laws necessarily, so we're looking for these loopholes. Um, I think it will continue to be a major issue on the floors of various medical boards and the American Veterinarian um, Association. <laughs> and um, I think that we will, you know, continue to see push for the the use and clarity. I think what's interesting on the veterinary side is there's not a lot of pushback about it. It's right. just a lot of confusion. Um, and then once again, the business people are telling us what we should be doing and right. what the laws are instead of our own organizations. And so we are behind it. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. And guys, if you're in a state, you've probably over the past year received some kind of memo from your veterinary medical board saying you can or you can't, you should or you shouldn't. And, you know, it's just confusing everybody because then you get literature from a, a, a CBD manufacturer who says, oh, yeah, it's perfectly legal in your area. And then they have a little disclaimer, but we don't give legal advice. So <laughs> check with your own attorney. We, and we're not here to help you if you get any legal trouble. <laughs> so right. Godspeed. That's right. Well, finally, today, as we wrap up some of the tough topics we'll be tackling in 2022, I, I want to make sure we understand some of the animal welfare issues that are popping up. I mean, Becky, there's there's a growing, you know, concern in the UK in particular about brachycephalic breeds. There have been certain brand, bands. They're changing the way you can breed them and sell them and all this stuff. I mean, do you think that the brachycephalic controversy is going to make it widestream here in the US in 2022? Nope. I think we're entirely <laughs> too proud, entirely too bought out by organizations who run those types of things. Um, and I think we are way behind the UK and the EU and things like that when we talk about um, putting the animals first. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, and, and I don't see us changing an entire breed when we still allow declawing, ear cropping, and tail cropping. Right. So, right. Um, unlike overseas and in the UK, where all of those things have already been banned, and now they're taking a look at these brachycephalic breeds because they're looking at the actual welfare of the animals and it's being led by their veterinary teams. Right, right. I think we're way behind that, unfortunately. And so, nope, I don't think that's an issue we'll see in 2022. I think, unfortunately, we're talking years and years before we're actually doing something about that dangerous situation. Yeah, it, it is. And, and again, in the UK, guys, not only was there a textbook published this year about the specific medical needs, physiological needs of brachycephalics, but you know, there's continued you know, working with breeding associations, of course, veterinary organizations to say, look, okay, we want more responsible breeding of these breeds. That sounded awkward, but you get what I'm saying. Because yeah. you know, they're saying, look, you know, there are certain lines of, of, a, of a French bulldog or an English bulldog that are have fewer of these defects. And so, you know, again, I think it's something, but, but right along with that, you know, food animal production, you know, I've been working on ventilation shutdown hard for the past year and a half. I think that's a welfare issue that deserves more uh, discussion. We are hoping to bring it up again at the AVMA meeting in January. Climate change, you know, Becky, you hear barely a trickle out of the profession about climate change and how different diseases are moving, you know, northward as the temperatures change and weather patterns, you know, change and evolve. I mean, Becky, these are these are topics that I think our profession needs to be talking more about. You believe in climate change? <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I agree because, you know, the animal welfare, it's funny, you know, it's like that whole ethics thing of like, should we even be eating animals as veterinarians? Like, I know yeah. a lot of veterinary professionals who hunt, you know, all of those things. I'm not knocking right. it. I'm just saying that there's a lot of like gray area in the ethics of caring and saving lives that you actually ultimately eat. Um, but yeah, I think that um, 
we do need to be thinking just think about how many um, veterinary hospitals don't recycle. It's always something I'm really surprised about when I go into a clinic and I see that like all these recyclable materials being tossed in the garbage and how much waste we produce as a clinic, um, the footprint we leave as clinics. So um, I think we can, you know, think globally, start locally. That's right. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think it is something we absolutely need to bring to the forefront of our minds. And, I, I like, I know it's, a like, your jam for sure. And, I'm, I mean, I think you have a lot more time, energy, and, and education in that area than I do. But even just like talking to you over the last couple of years about it there I've I've been enlightened to a lot of things and I think we do have a social responsibility to understand that and to at least have an awareness um whether we agree disagree practice right. don't practice the awareness needs to be there and I, and I think that's an interesting point and a a challenge for our colleagues in 2022 to become more educated I think there's a book out there about it um, <laughs> well I've written one but yeah I know what you're saying. revolution <laughs> food revolution I don't know I, I yeah, heard yeah. this pretty good text about it well and again I just don't want us to lose our relevancy in this d- domain because you know I fear that like animal welfare which should be clearly under our our jurisdiction so to speak, you know, as veterinary professionals is is being sort of offloaded to to other people and, and groups. Department and, of Ag. Yeah. And, and yeah. again, I'm not even knocking that. I'm just saying, you know, no. people that aren't like vets or, or animal right. scientists. That's they're, so. they're people. Yeah. Oh, shocker. <laughs> they're people who stand to lose money yeah, if the laws point. are changed against their advantage. And this is the big problem. I'm getting yeah. real political today, but this is the problem. <laughs> like if we have people in charge who are going to lose money when those laws change, to better serve the 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 economy, the environment, or whatever, those are the wrong people to have in charge of those decisions. And so, like you're saying, I don't think we're in front of it. I don't think, like you said, we're losing our relevancy in that space, or we're handpicking the individuals in our space who will agree or or can have their pockets lined. And so if we don't, as a profession, right, raise our voices, they won't be heard. Yeah. You know, Becky, as we wrap up today, I, I watched uh, Don't Look Up, which is the new Leonardo <laughs> so DiCaprio yeah, and Jennifer Lawrence movie. And there was a line you just sort of reminded me of. So Jennifer Lawrence, uh, her character, this no spoilers, but, you know, obviously there's the end of the world is approaching. <laughs> so if you haven't seen it, I definitely encourage you. It's there. It's definitely not a perfect film. And there's a lot of things that, you know, probably they could have done better. But I like the theme and the message and basically that, you know, Hey, we need to take take action now. And so uh, Jennifer Lawrence has been discredited, you know, as a scientist, and basically, you know, social media has jumped on her and made her a, a meme. And so she uh, has to, has to return home to live with her parents in Michigan. And so as she knocks on the door, her parents won't let her in, and <laughs> they say they say this line, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but they say, you know, we're in favor of the jobs that Comet brings. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of sums up what Becky just said about the economic, you know, sort of uh, priorities here. And it's like, well, you know, and, and the ending of that movie kind of ends like you might expect. But it is a hilarious movie. But, you know, again, we've got to to look at the long view here and, and say as a veterinary profession, you know, in 10 years, 20 years from now, do we want to be viewed as the stewards of animal welfare or the people that sort of went to sleep on their shift? So I, I, I don't think so. But anyway, that are, those are just a few of the topics we think we'll be tackling in 2022. I mean, we didn't even get to our whole list. <laughs> and so you can see, we think 2022 is going to be a, just a, a year that we really need to get our heads around. I think it's a great time, Becky. I think 2022, our, our profession is going to be growing. Money is going to be flowing, let's hope. 
And uh, if you're going to make change, those are great two two parameters to make change in. So let's let's hope. Are you you hopeful, Becky, for 2022? Oh, I'm super <laughs> hopeful. But you know, I wear those really really thick rose colored glasses yeah. because if we don't have hope, <laughs> what more do we have? Right? Like right. we're hopeless, and I refuse to live in a hopeless state. I'm very hopeful, and the reason I'm hopeful is because I see our numbers. I know how many people are listening. And the people who listen to this podcast and podcasts like ours, because I don't want to say we own this space by any means. There are so many great veterinary podcasts that are talking to amazing leaders that are talking about great medicine. You guys that are consuming this, like you are the leaders, you are the influencers. And I have hope because someone is listening. And if you guys are listening, you're pushing for change. You want better and, and you give me hope. Gosh, couldn't have said it better. Guys, from us here at the Veterinary Viewfinder, definitely let us know what you're thinking about 2022. You can reach us on Instagram at the Veterinary Veterinary Viewfinder. You can reach us on Twitter at Vet Viewfinder, Facebook Veterinary Viewfinder. You know how to reach us. We also have an email, Becky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can email us at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. They come to me. Um, I'm not a doctor. (laughs) So if you address it to, or even more insultingly, Dr. Courtney and Dr. Ernie, I... (laughs) Um, I won't get back to you. Let's just Uh, be real clear about that. So, uh, yeah. If you're going to email for a favor, please at least know our titles, y'all. Becky and Ernie, we'd love to to hear from you guys. Anyway, on behalf of us here, we wish you and yours a wonderful, happy new year and a very prosperous and healthy 2022. Don't forget to eat your black-eyed peas and collard greens on New Year's Day. You know, thanks for spending 2021 with us. We we super appreciate you. We, we've hit five years this year. I know a lot of you guys are OGs from the beginning. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Happy New Year to you guys. I am wishing you all the best. And um, keep us posted what's going on, what you're hoping for. You know, we love to hear from you guys. That's right, guys. Talk to you next week. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bye. <laughs>